Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. This next hour, we study the inspired and true Word of God and continue to hear how God's reign in Christ has come. He still reigns. His reign is still coming from Matthew chapter 1. We started off just in an awesome way yesterday with Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, who is a commentary writer of Matthew, three volumes actually. And today we start digging into the text slowly, and we do so until Easter. And we see some of the basic information with the genealogy of Christ and then his birth. What a perfect time to do this during the Advent season. You've read it all before many times. You kind of just glossed it over until you got to maybe Luke chapter 2 later on in the season. But right now, we slowly go through the text so we are able to see Christ and all the glory that comes therein, especially as he is our Emmanuel. So this morning, the gifts are ready, ready for you. Dice Wrong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we have with us back Pastor Jason Shockman of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Pastor Shockman, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It is great to hear your voice, my brother. <laughs> well, Pastor, let's start here. Last time we had you on, you were in Wisconsin, but in a different town. So tell us about the transitions you've made in the last few months. Uh, it, it's been, well, since uh, July as when we, we, well, I accepted a call here to the, uh, be the associate pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church School and Early Childhood Center in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Um, I have the joy of serving uh, beside Pastor Lance O'Donnell, who uh, I hope you are able to convince to be on the show at some point because he's a gem. Um, and, and we're having a good time. Since July, we've uh, been settling in uh, to uh, you know, a, new, a new team and loving it, uh, having a great time working side-by-side side in this ministry of the gospel and partnership. Um, specifically, my call here uh, uh, has under my umbrella youth and outreach, uh, and I have an incredible team of people surrounding me here at St. Paul's that uh, make that effort uh, a joy. Uh, so I get to hang out with kids on Sunday nights, and we're doing a lot of stuff as a church out in the community as well, um, and and looking forward to more. Well, and, and so tell me, how, how is your family doing in the transition? Well, we're doing really well. Um, we, we've uh, settled into a new life here. My, my youngest two, uh, seventh grade and fifth grade, are going to school here mm. at St. Paul's. Uh, my oldest is a freshman in high school at Lake Country Lutheran. Uh, and and it, if I can brag on my kids, they're just driving. Uh, each of them Good. is is growing into the things or new things that they are finding that they love, um, and and some are are just uh, continuing to do what they've done before. My my oldest, who who up until this year really has been a swimmer, and that's been like the sum total of her athletics. Uh, in the fall, decided to play tennis for Lake Country Lutheran, and now uh, she's on the JV basketball team as a freshman, and. Um, I'm blown away. <laughs> wow. uh, you know, 
that my my kids are just coming into their own. My middleist is um, active in theater here at St. Paul's and doing a whole bunch of uh, creative artsy stuff, which is totally up her alley. Uh, my son is playing basketball and is looking forward to baseball this summer um, and thriving academically. All of them. It's just it's it's been one of those. Um, so so back back. Back toward the well, right around spring, right after Easter, um, when when I received the call from St. Paul's, it was it was really like the Lord uh, just put a bulldozer in front of me and cleared mm-hmm. the path that made it obvious that this was um, where where our family was headed. Uh, and every step of the way, there I mean, there have been challenges, but every step of the way, um, we've just seen. Uh, people that God has put in the path, uh, put in our path that have, have made it abundantly clear that uh, this is the place uh, where I'm to be serving now. And so here I am. Uh, and, you know, I still get the joy of doing fun things like being on the radio with old friends from the Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a true joy, a true joy on every end. And and the first thing mm-hmm. is reminder to our listeners to pray for pastors and church workers and others and all people, really, when they make those transitions, because it can be quite terrifying to go through that process and for the churches well, that we formerly serve. And so continue go. to continue. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. You know, for me, that that's all the more important is to pray for the congregations that are vacant, right? That are that are longing for for that gift that God gives to the church of a man to stand in the office and proclaim the word and administer the sacraments uh, and walk beside them uh, through through the valley of the shadow, right? Because that's what a pastor is for. Um, and and so when a congregation is without that. Uh, it is a it is a time of testing for them, uh, so we we definitely need to be praying for them. And that's uh, that's been one of the neat things here at St. Paul's is we have a a rotation in our in our prayers of the church, uh, where each week of the month we pray for a, a different uh, aspect of the life of the church together. And and one of those weeks we actually do to continue to include uh, congregations that are vacant and name specifically. Mm-hmm. Prince of Peace in West Salem, uh, which is where I had served for 11 years, uh, and that so that that what, that was something that was important to me too was to continue mm-hmm. to pray for um, the congregation that I was serving, and and it wasn't just important to me; it was actually important to St. Paul's, right? That they would continue to pray for the congregation that I had served, knowing uh, that that in me accepting this call, there was a congregation that was going to be vacant, uh, but but. Uh, by God's grace, they are being faithfully and wonderfully served by uh, their circuit counselor, who, or circuit visitor, rather, uh, who continues to make sure that, um, that there's word and sacrament ministry happening in that place. Uh, and so that I can rejoice in. Well, thanks be to God for that. So on that note, as we, as you said, the Lord prepares us. This is a season of Advent preparing us for the coming of Christ. And today's text really relates to all of that. So Pastor, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, as you promised your people that you would send a Savior time and again, you were faithful to your promise in leading them to believe that promise, in pointing them forward to the fulfillment of that promise. 
as we see in your text today from Matthew chapter 1, how you fulfilled that promise, we rejoice. And give thanks that you have sent your Son to bear our sin, to be our Savior, and we long for the long-expected return of Christ, when at his final advent, we will be called by your faithfulness to our final rest. We rejoice in the gifts you give and pray you would continue to, by your spirit, through your word, uh, keep us steadfast in faith as we rejoice uh, in the gifts that you give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to do this today, Pastor, because there's a lot, I was going to say this, there's a lot of words that we could really nitpick today, and I want to just dig in, as as I said, Dr. Dr. Gibbs started us off great yesterday, as you look at the whole book of Matthew, and today we're going to be laser focused at the very beginning in chapter one. So I'm going to start this yeah, way. Right. And and who doesn't like to read genealogies? You know, it's just like a hobby of mine. No, it's kidding. Verses <laughs> one, I'll read verses one through 17, and then we'll come back and you give some of your first thoughts. And, and there's some fascinating names in here and dynamics that are very important for us to set us up for this whole book. So chapter one, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Matthew chapter one. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was a father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Josem the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah the father of Sheatil, and Sheatil the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Um, that's that's <laughs> like, part of the text, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Pastor, I, you know, there's, there's, obviously I want to hit some highlights, but also as we look at chapter one, um, genealogies. Uh, tell us about it and where do you want to begin? Well, I, I want to start with two things. Uh, first... 
thanks so much for letting me be the guy that follows the guy that wrote the commentary. No pressure uh, in following uh, the, the, you, you the are welcome. Reverend Dr. Gibbs, right? Uh, second is, um, you know, as, as you read through these names and as you pronounce them with exousia, that is authority, uh, that way we know you pronounce them correctly, uh, whether you did or not, um, the it's hard to try to get all this in your head, right? And and remember this and the significance of the things that that are that that often, as you said earlier, we just kind of gloss over. So, uh, if I can just make a shameless plug, uh, there's a there's a singer songwriter out there uh, that that the listeners may never have stumbled across or may know of. Uh, his name is Andrew Peterson, and uh, he actually wrote a song. That's called Matthew's Begats. Yes, he mm-hmm. put Matthew's genealogy to song. And it's a great way to memorize it, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, if you get, if you know, your listeners out there in the radio world or the, in the world of the Internet, because that's how we're listening to KFUO these days, um, if, you, if, you, if you get a little hungry for a fun way to remember this, Go to the YouTubes, as our friend uh, the Wolf Mueller calls it, uh, and uh, search for Andrew Peterson's Matthews Begats, and give that a listen, uh, because that's a, a fun little way to remember all these names, uh, and and you can actually memorize them that way, right? Um, mm, there you go. So so you know two two things right off the bat is first, uh, this is a good thing to be able to to remember. And, and that song is a great way to do it. Um, and secondly, uh, I'll do what I can to uh, not let Dr. Gibbs be ashamed of his student. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, right? Uh, so Ma- Matthew and his, be- and his begats, or the, the genealogy of Jesus, really, I, I think that, that the answer, th- this is the beginning of Matthew answering the question, uh, from whence did this Christ come, right? Because this is, this is kind of the, the, the necessary inference of the question, or rather of the statement that Matthew begins the gospel with, right? The, these are the, the generations of, the, uh, of the, Jesus Christ, of the book of the origins, rather, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, it describes to him the title Christ. Son of David, son of Abraham. Uh, these are huge titles in the history of God working with his people. And, and the genealogy is just the beginning of Matthew answering the, the nece- necessarily inferred question of, well, how did he begin? Uh, and I think, uh, I think rightly, we don't really come to the end of that answer until chapter 4, verse 16. Right at the end of the temptation of Christ, where Christ uh, alone, with only, you know, armed with the Word of God, is able to stand in the face of the temptation of the evil one. Where countless times through the generations that preceded him, they were not. And that is really profound because we look at it this way. That the, the the focus that Dr. Gibbs speaks about, and it almost like pops out like popcorn when you read the text, is this idea of what is the 
the kingdom of God. I mean, he speaks about that mm-hmm. a lot. And here, mm-hmm. one of the emphases that he that he has that we really see is he emphasizes um, the the kingly, the royal line that Jesus has. Yeah. The few other emphases that are there as well, but the kingly line. And then right now we get a glimpse like, okay, all right. So he's an important guy. Um, He kind of seems to fulfill something in Isaiah, um, but really we don't see the fullness of it. Well, obviously until until more of the end of the resurrection, of course, but we see even a bigger glimpse when he takes on the devil and is like, wait, what Adam and Eve couldn't do this, Jesus does. So it's Mm -hmm. just like, like a peeling an orange, right? Just slowly peeling and to be able to see, is this going to be a good orange or not? And we're able to yeah. slowly see that. Now, Pastor, I want to ask this before we go too far down that road. Is There's a lot of royalty in here, but then there's a number of women. Any insights on that? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, there's five of them in total, if you include Mary. Um, and and uh, every single woman that's mentioned uh, in Jesus' genealogy is is an outsider. Uh, is someone who, if you're trying to make a case for for the the individual you're telling the story of as this uh, laudable and and wonderful figure, uh, these are certainly people that you would omit from their from their you know personal family history. Uh, you know, you, early on you get Tamar. Uh, Tamar. Uh, this is Genesis 38, where we find the twisted and sordid tale of Tamar. Um, uh, T- Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Judah, right? He, mm-hmm. She actually mm-hmm. marries one of Judah's sons, who, by God's account, was wicked, and God killed him. And so, uh, in the in the act of Leverite marriage, that is the the brother giving children to the uh, deceased brother's wife, so that his line would continue, um, decides that. You know, he doesn't really want to let his brother's line continue because his brother was the eldest and his brother would get the full inheritance. And if his brother had a kid, well, then his brother's kid would get the full inheritance and he would be out. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, you know, he plays the old, uh, he plays the old, uh, 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 what, how do we, how do we say this politely? Uh, family planning method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Natural family planning, yeah, sure, and sure. and and doesn't allow Tamar to become impregnated uh, in this act of levirate marriage, which God decides, well, that's wicked too, uh, and so that second son is then killed, and then Judah flips out because well, Tamar must be cursed. My sons keep dying when they lay with her, uh, and so, <laughs> and so, so he. He says that he's not, well, maybe you should just wait for my third son to become a man. But then he becomes a man, and Judah says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to give my third son to this cursed woman. So Tamar takes it into her own hands, and when she learns Judah's taking the sheep up to be sheared, uh, she goes on ahead of him, disguises herself as a prostitute up up where they are shearing the sheep, and 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 essentially lures her father-in-law into impregnating her and and for her services as a prostitute he pays her and he promises her a goat but she takes in in i guess in in uh, consignment until the goat arrives his ring and his staff and his cord you know you know the three symbols that 
define who a guy is. Well, then, late, you know, some months later, it's obvious that Tamar is pregnant, and uh, and while Judah threatens to burn her alive because she's been sleeping around, uh, she produces then the cord and the ring and the and the staff, and says, "Well, it's this the person who who owns these is the one that may be pregnant." <laughs> oh my! It, it 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 truly is a soap opera. It truly you is can't a soap make opera. This stuff no. up, right? right. Right. Well, I guess they try on soap operas, but yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, Jesus' family history, both his you know not not too distant family history and his his ancient family history, it's a sordid tale. In fact, in my in my notes here, uh, I've wrote across the top of the page where I talk about this. Uh, so many scandals, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? This is the history of our Savior. Is it's just ripe with scandal. Uh, you know, from Tamar, then we moved down to Rahab. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rahab, well, she, she's no saint either. She's a she's a Canaanite prostitute uh, who shouldn't exist in the Jewish community at all. And here she is listed in the in the house in the line of of, of Christ. Right. Then a little later on down the list, you get uh, you get Ruth. Uh, Ruth, we remember, has a whole book that tells her story, uh, and she's a Moabite. Right? She is she is not of the house and the line of 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 Israel, uh, but she married uh, a son. Of- Looks like we might have lost uh, Pastor Shockman, and he was on a roll. So we're going to keep just moving until we get him back on. Um, but one of the joys of what he's highlighting here is that the Lord is not only a king, our king of kings. That's what we have this Advent season, where we, we wear the color blue, reminding us that this Lord Jesus that is coming is a king. But he's a compassionate king because you have Tamar, like you mentioned. You have Rahab, the prostitute. You have Ruth, which I'm excited about because our church has studied the book of Ruth. I just preached on the book of Ruth at a at a conference. And the beauty of that is Ruth is a Moabite. She's an outsider. She is not to be included into this kingdom, but yet the Lord brings her in and adopts her. Boaz brings her in and she is part of the inheritance, even though she has nothing to do with it. But there the Lord by love adopts her basically into that family. And the same thing he does for us. Um, And then we have Bathsheba, which isn't even mentioned by name, which reminds us that all of our kingdom, all of our lives, it's all grace that the Lord welcomes us in. Do we have him back on? Yes. <laughs> so, Pastor, it, we it, I talked. You're good. You're good. So uh, we have all three minutes of live radio. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. it. It keeps me on my toes. So, Pastor, I talked about Ruth. I do want you to talk about the woman that is um, the wife of Uriah. It doesn't really say who she is. Oh. Who are they taking? Who are they speaking about here? Well, I, I mean, this is Bathsheba, right? I mean, it must be because the child is Solomon. Uh, so you couldn't find a more scandalous moment in the, in the life of David to mention. It, it, I mean, we, we say right at the beginning, or Matthew said right at the beginning, that Jesus is the son of David. And so immediately you kind of have called to mind the, 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 the success of David and the and the David, a man after God's own heart, the, the king and the shepherd of Israel, the, 
the victorious warrior that that led Saul's armies. You know, you, you get all this wonderful stuff about David in mind. And then when you get to David and the genealogies, <laughs> it mentions that he's king. And then the very next thing is that David begets Solomon from the wife of Uriah, not yeah. not even mentioning Bathsheba by name. I mean, you want to talk about shame, right? This is the moment in David's life when through a murderous adultery, he brings he brings a child into the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so you're thrown immediately in the genealogy. You're thrown not to the faithfulness of these people who are mentioned, but you're thrown into their faithlessness. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's that's part of what we see, uh, uh, part of what I see anyway, in in why these particular women are named early in the genealogy. Uh, you, you see right at the beginning, uh, hey. This isn't really about how good and, and wonderful and honorable all these people were who preceded Christ, but rather God's faithfulness to fulfill his promise, to bring his kingdom to us. And I do think here, Pastor Shockman, is that this can relate very clearly, and I didn't think about this, to Hebrews 11, that it doesn't say by um, all these great actions that they did, but it does show that by faith, this is what they did. Um, yeah, that yeah, the faith right. was the emphasis as opposed to the actions by themselves. And this goes into the Christian life and so forth. Yeah. Well, and even, even right, as, we, as we'll get to it later on then uh, in the Babylonian captivity, which is uh, oddly enough mentioned twice, um, mm. or not oddly at all, uh, you know, you, you see that there's a, there's a contrast that Matthew is setting out right from the beginning. That God's faithfulness is the is the underlying uh, power in this gospel, and and I don't just mean Matthew's gospel. I mean God working to bring His kingdom to us, right? The good news of the inbreaking kingdom of God in the fulfillment of all of His promises made in Christ. Uh, there's there's a couple other names uh, that that I think is interesting that that he, uh, Matthew chooses to use, um, uh, because because of the connection to the community, right? The the whole of God's people. Um, it, he he uses the name uh, 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 Amos, mm-hmm. right? Uh, who was one of the well-known prophets. Right? Not a king, but mm-hmm. a prophet. Mm-hmm. Kind of sticks it in the middle of the of the names of the kings there, right? Good point. Uh, and then just just before that, right, right after uh, uh, Rehoboam, uh, you get Abijah, and Abijah begets Asa. Except Matthew doesn't use Asa. Matthew uses Asaph. If you actually look at this in the Greek, right, it's Asaph. Well, who's Asaph? Asaph is one of the psalm writers. True. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got Jacob and Joseph, right? Jacob and Judah at the beginning, 
you've got Asaph the psalm writer, you've got Amos the prophet, and then right before the Christ actually puts on flesh, right before uh, Jesus is uh, born of Mary, right? Uh, This is not, by the way, that Joseph does not beget Jesus, but rather Mary passively, uh, and and that that word of bearing or begetting uh, is, is a passive the only passive in the whole list, right, is Mary's uh, birthing Jesus. Ah. Right, right before that, you get Jacob and Joseph. Again, you get that doubling of the Torah, Jacob and Joseph from the five books of, of Moses. So, Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I see this really cool connection here. It's kind of one of those, like, you know, when you're uh, back in the day when you were playing, like, Legend of Zelda, Right, you had those little Easter egg <laughs> moments where you could find something cool on the map that, that, that you kind of had to know where it was to go get it. Right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the, I think this is one of those little Easter eggs in the genealogies that Matthew's Jewish readers, they, they would have had their ears kind of go, ooh, uh, when he lists these names um, of the psalm writer, of the prophet, of the, the, the kind of the patriarchs of the faith from the Pentateuch, right? Uh, the, that this is what Jesus says later on, right? That all of the, the Psalms and the, the law and the prophets, they're about me. Right? You, he says to the Pharisees, you know, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. But I'm, I'm telling you, they're all, they all testify to me. I want to touch on that a little bit further beyond our break, but now we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 1 with Pastor Jason Shockman, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. Welcome back. We are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter one, with Pastor Jason Jason, Jason Shockman, excuse me, of St. Paul Lutheran School, excuse me, Church and School in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And Pastor, I want I want to highlight one thing, and for you, our listeners, I want to highlight that when you look at verse sixteen, that you you and I just never, I mean, I probably have seen this, never really highlighted it much. And it, you know, before this, it just speaks about begetting, and this is definitely true in the commentary. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, begetting Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. So it definitely shows that emphasis that Joseph did not beget Jesus, but it comes from Mary, 
which then yeah. really connects us to later on with this child is of the Holy Spirit. So Matthew is proclaiming very loudly this kingliness of this guy, the godliness of this guy, just on a few words in verse 16. Pastor, you have anything more to share on that in verse 16? Well, it's just wild, right? Because everywhere else in this genealogy, it is an active verb form that is that is translated begat or fathered, right? As you read it in the ESV, mm-hmm. it's, it's father, the father of, yep, right? Uh, but only here in verse 16, is it a passive form of that verb begat or fathered? Uh, and so, so we, we best translate that, right? From whom Jesus was born, right? It, Mary, Mary had, like, I, mean, I know she went, she's the one that went through labor. She's the one that, that, that actually, you know. <laughs> Did the work. Labored to push, <laughs> right? Labored to push this child out of her womb. Uh, but uh, the conception and, and the, the begetting is from God. Mm. It's a passive thing, right? Joseph didn't beget this child. Mary didn't even beget this child. He was born from her, right? Which, which puts the whole weight, again, the whole weight of the faithfulness, of the fulfillment of the promise, not on us, not on man, but on God. Uh, it, Right. And, and in this, uh, you, you, you kind of got to read Matthew's genealogy as if it's an Old Testament genealogy. Um, and so Old Testament genealogies, they, they weren't necessarily um, what we would consider from a modern uh, perspective, uh, real, real, you know, concerned with being uh, what we would consider accurate. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. uh, you go mm-hmm. to like ancestry.com or one of these other you know uh, genealogy websites, and, and and there's always they always want proof and documentation, and they want to be accurate, right? Where the the genealogies of the Old Testament they were written in order to say something about the person or, or the status of the individual at, in question, and the and the point of the genealogy was was always to connect the individual with the whole of the community. Uh, and, and here we see it all the way back to Adam. Not well, in Luke, all the way back to Adam. I don't right, want to get right. into the comparison. <laughs> uh, I know Dr. Gibbs did that reluctantly, but he did that. Um, so, but, but here you see this connection through the whole history of God working with his people to bring salvation about. And, and this history has had a goal, right? From the very first promise, this history has had a goal. And, and the goal has been moving toward Jesus, the fulfillment. And this, this is a huge concept that plays out in the rest of Matthew's gospel, right? The fulfillment of the promise, so, such that everything that preceded Jesus finds its meaning in him. Right? And this is, this is then how we read the Old Testament. Mm. that all of it is a, a type and a shadow and a pointing forward to Christ who fulfills all things. Uh, you know, Luther famously said, or, or is said to have said, <laughs> right? uh, <laughs> the, the written word is the cradle of the living word mm. on which we find him in every page. 
Now, Pastor, as we look at the first 17 verses, it is laying the groundwork. And like you said, for for me, I've looked at the Finnern um, lineage. I've looked a little bit at my mom's side, which is the Wilkening lineage. And you're right. We're like, okay, now we want to make sure that this is exact. Now, that we bring those lenses into this text. And I love how you've highlighted today that this is about revealing who this person is, this person's importance. And from this, and I want, to, I want you to add to this, as if there's more, something I'm missing, is that we see, we see a, a guy who has a, um, a kingly background. So he's obviously of some royalty. At the same time, he is a lineage of, of compassion because they're including names of people that you wouldn't, nor, you wouldn't put this on your list to proclaim to the world. There's some names in there that you don't really want everyone to know about. And so there's some compassion there. And then there's this passiveness of this woman that kind of perks your interest a little bit. Like that's different. So there's some kind of what we would call maybe God language or faith language that's in there as well. Is there anything to add or anything you want to highlight? I'll give you about a minute here, Pass, before we move on. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save the doubling for hopefully we'll get to that next. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. so it, it, we get we get these groups of fourteen. There's three of them, uh, and and the history of the timeline isn't equal. From Abraham to David, that's a thousand years. Mm-hmm. From Solomon to Jehoiakim, that's about four hundred years, uh, and then from Shealtiel to Jesus, that's just less than six hundred years. Right. So the timeline doesn't space out right, uh, and and and. We can't, so, so we can't read this genealogy with, with a modern lens, right? We have to see it uh, as a genealogy that has a, that's making a point. Hmm. And so why has he highlighted the people that he's highlighted? Uh, it, 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 and again, that brings us back to God's faithfulness, right? Uh, God's faithfulness, um, such that then G- G- the main point then is Jesus, Jesus is not just a fulfillment, but he is the center of human history. And so let's continue move forward here, Pastor, to look at the birth of this Jesus, who is the center of history. And this is an appropriate time. Obviously, we have um, um, during Advent season to prepare us for this at greatly time. Yeah, and so, right, exactly, exactly. So let's. Uh, I'm going to read. I'm just going to read this whole thing, and then we'll highlight as we go. Um, through the rest of this text. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
Now, Pastor, as you mentioned before, this is about God's faithfulness. And so this birth is about God's faithfulness to his word and the faithfulness to his people. So we, we could highlight about 10 things. We have exactly 15 minutes left in our time. So let's, uh, let's break it down. Where do you want to begin? Well, I want to go back. <laughs> 14, 14 minutes and 30 seconds. Come on now. Yeah. Okay. I want to, Rich, we can't miss this, right? There's a, yeah. there's a doubling that happens in the genealogy. Twice it is mentioned. Uh, that oh, sure. they go mm-hmm. down into the Babylonian captivity, right? Twice yep. it's mm-hmm. mentioned. Yep. Yep. It, again, the exile is, is an important point of emphasis because this is, again, God's faithfulness in the midst of the people's unfaithfulness. God is the one bringing this about. Um, and that's in 17, that's when, when uh, Matthew talks about the 14 generations from Abraham to David and the 14 generations uh, from Solomon in captivity and 14 generations from the captivity to Jesus. We only get 14 in the last of that set if we count ah. the, the, the captivity twice. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So, so what, what does so this mean? Matthew what does this mean, Pastor? <laughs> well, again, here's, here's Matthew bringing to the fore, almost throwing it in the reader's face, uh, the, the, hist- the, the faithless history of the people. Why did they go down into captivity? Because they didn't, they didn't keep the first commandment, or, or any of them for that matter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? But this, this is this is this is significant that Matthew says this twice. You know, he doesn't he doesn't mention anybody else twice, but he mentions this captivity twice because even out of captivity, God has set us free. And, and isn't this the proclamation of what Christ is born to do? Right, that He is born to set His people free. He's born uh, the Son of the Most High. He's born to be the Messiah, to be the Christ. Um, and if, if we're longing for a kingdom, right, if we're longing for the kingdom of God to be brought to us, well, it doesn't happen when Israel is faithful. Right? But it does happen uh, in the birth of Jesus Christ. When God is faithful. In this, when God is faithful, yeah. yeah, because, yeah. And, and what's his name, Right. What's his name? His name is Emmanuel. And it's the birth of this one is to take is, is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Not just what the prophet had spoken, but what the Lord had spoken. And they called his name Jesus. Because he would save his people from their sins. Now we get that in Luke, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what it means. Yahweh saves, mm-hmm. right? The Lord saves. So here, here he is. Uh, he's he's going to uh, consecrate for himself a new people, right? A a a new uh, a new order of birth. Right? It's it's man. Who is God? And God, who is born as a man, 
that he might be with us. Right? Uh, other times I talk about the withness of Christ or, or of God, right? Uh, and, and throughout the Old Testament, right, whenever God promises to be with someone, uh, <laughs> usually uh, he does so in the face of their questioning, right, of, of how, how is this going to be? Or you can't really mean that you're going to accomplish this through me. And God generally just says, well, don't, don't fear. I will be with you, right? He does this with Moses. He does this with Joshua. He does this with Gideon. Uh, he does this uh, with Jeremiah. Uh, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. And, and, and he does this with Mary. But that's in Luke. This is Matthew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? uh, and so, Pastor, as we look at this, it, there's a number of uh, unique dynamics to this. Here we hear a lot about Joseph. And I wanted to ask you this question. Yeah. Once you said this is about God's faithfulness, but we also see the faith of Joseph. So he's doing a, a faithful thing for that culture. He's going to divorce her, so she's not put to shame. Um, she will end up being, you know, not put to shame by the world, probably stoned to death is kind of the things I've read before. And so he's going to do this quietly. But then it comes and says, no, don't do that. And here's a guy, mm-hmm. he, he could easily just said, you know what? Yeah, God said that, but I want to do this because of whatever. But no, it's so simple. By faith, he takes her in. Um, they give birth to a son, and he becomes father, an adoptive father of sorts, I suppose. So to me, I think the story of the incarnation, one of the great parts that we don't emphasize enough is Joseph and his faithfulness. Any thoughts on Joseph and some of the dynamics there? Uh, well, jo- the, the best description I got is Joseph is a righteous dude. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, he, 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 he wants to, he's, he's a just man, right? This is how the, the text defines him in verse 19, mm-hmm. being a just man, right? He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to put the worst construction on Mary, although he doesn't have much choice. And so rather than defining her in the most shameful way that he could, uh, he, he try he thinks to himself uh, to, uh, live according to God's law, to live righteously, uh, to simply um, release her from their betrothal uh, because she's guilty of adultery. And, and yeah, the, the consequences for her would be significant, but he wouldn't be the one bringing them about. And, and yet uh, his compassion uh, mirrors in some ways our Heavenly Father's compassion as he adopts us uh, as his sons and daughters. Right in in, in baptism, uh, he he by the word of the Lord, uh, you know this this revelation in a dream, which was pretty common in the Old Testament day, uh, mm-hmm. hears that this son uh, is is part of uh, the fulfillment of God's promise, not not just part of, but is the fulfillment of God's promise. Uh, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. And, and Matthew tells us all this took, took place to fulfill what God had promised, that this is God with us. Right? So what's he do? 
he wakes from his dream. He takes Mary as his wife. Uh, and when the child is born, he calls him Jesus. <laughs> plain, as, plain as day, you know, it, no, no, simple. Uh, no. Yeah. Right. Simple. Plain, simple. plain as day. No, no, uh, no traversing down to the house in the city of David. No, uh, uh, you know, no hubbub about it. Just this is what happened. And this is this is what Joseph did because he was a faithful man. He was a just man. Right? I want to um, make this point here, pastors are saying this, is that this can relate to all of us, that we pray that the Lord strengthens us in faith to do what we need to do to be faithful. And to be faithful is simply this, that he as a father cares for his his wife, his future wife, mm-hmm. cares for this his son, and does that, and it's just simply in the text. He just does it. And that's what we pray for, for you. And this is something that we do pray for here in KFUO, for our listeners and for all of our pastors and others, that we just be faithful, that the story might not be that exciting, that, but this, our vocations don't have to be exciting, but they are what God brings in front of us to bear fruit um, and and to repent, you know, bear fruit and repentance, as we know here in, in uh, the season of Advent, at the same time that we do it with joy because we know this is all part of God's plan for us in Christ. As, as the Lord is faithful, Joseph is faithful, may we be faithful. Now, Pastor, we have about five, about five and a half minutes left. There's a number of things we could highlight. Is there anything else you want to highlight in these words? You know, I think we've, we oh well so we could have some fun with this right uh, the the four, the back to verse seventeen the fourteen generations the three sets of fourteen right there's mm-hmm. all kinds of speculation out there about why why fourteen and why three generations right. and um, you know one of the fun ones that I stumbled across and again this is another one of those kind of Easter egg moments is uh, fourteen times three is the same as six times seven <laughs> okay what does that mean. Well, if you got six, that's like six days of creation, right? And, sure, and the okay. seventh, the, the seventh, then seven is a perfect number. Uh, it's also the day of rest. Uh, so if you've got the the, the six days of creation uh, being doubled, uh, then or or you know multiplied by seven, then then this is quite possibly, uh, and this is again just fun speculation, uh, that that all of creation is in view when it comes uh, to the okay. telling of this history. And it's all in creation that is affected by this birth at the last. Again, Jesus is the center of all of human history. Uh, but, but, you know, to step back and not, not speculate, because Matthew doesn't actually tell us that. Right? The text mm-hmm. doesn't actually make that clear. Um, the text simply mentions that there's a threefold repetition uh, and, and again, I think Matthew is highlighting uh, in that threefold repetition, uh, the number isn't important. 14, eh, it's a number. You know, he could have chosen 12. He could have chosen 10. Uh, and then we would make all kinds of speculations about why 12. Well, 12 tribes, 12 apostles. Okay. And then 10, why would, why 10? Well, 10 is a complete number, you know. Uh, and the Hebrew readers would have been attuned to that. But 14, uh it's kind of it's not one of those numbers that carries a lot of weight, but what does carry weight is three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means it's a God thing, right? This threefold repetition shows that through all of this faithless history of God's people, it has been God who is intimately involved every step of the way, 
to bring about his promised kingdom, to bring about the inbreaking of his salvation into our world. And uh, I think part of the reason uh, that, you know, the birth of Christ is told, as, as you pointed out, in just such a simple way by Matthew, is it's not the trappings of the birth that is significant, but that God was born in human flesh. Mm. Brings us to John one fourteen in the Word of God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and isn't that dwelt among us? That's Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, one of the one of the other joys in verse twenty three, it quotes the Old Testament, and this is a common theme that is highlighted. Quite, you know, often when we look at the Book of Matthew throughout. Clearly, Matthew is arguing for the connection of the Old Testament to Jesus about the fulfillment of this all. So like, you're, you're wondering about Jesus? Okay, let me tell you about how this all connects. Any any thoughts on that? We have about uh, two minutes left in our whole time. Any thoughts on the continuous, and this is the first reference, explicit reference yep. to the Old Testament fulfillment. Any thoughts on what Matthew's doing and why that's important for us? Well, again, I think Matthew is is primarily writing to uh, Jewish people who are very familiar with the Old Testament and the promises. Uh, And some of those people were waiting for uh, the promised Messiah to deliver them spiritually. And some were waiting for uh, a material deliverance. And, you know, there's there's different understandings of what the Messiah was going to do floating around at the time of, 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 you know, before Jesus' birth. Uh, But Matthew, in his telling of it, he doesn't, I would even argue that he doesn't start here. He starts at, at, at verse two, <laughs> showing mm-hmm. the connection of Jesus, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Um, here's the first, you know, the 23 is the first direct quote uh, from Isaiah, from the Old Testament. And, and you're right, Matthew is going to do this again and again and again, uh, driving home that we're not telling a new story. We're retelling or we're, we're telling the fulfillment of the same story that we've been telling for thousands of years, that this is God's faithful promise. This is God bringing salvation to his people. Pastor, 30 seconds left. How, what, 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 what would, how, would you, how would you summarize this blessed chapter for us as Advent season? Uh, I would say don't skip it. <laughs> that's a good one i like it yeah uh i know i know it's a genealogy and we can gloss them over but don't skip it uh you know and even even uh, go in and look up the stories of these people who are mentioned by name yeah. in the genealogy and and refresh your memory of who these people were i mean you got some big names here hezekiah uh, one of the great kings, uh, and then Manasseh, one of the one of the worst kings in the history of Israel. You you go from from Josiah, you know the the boy king, uh, to to the sons of Josiah who or grandsons of Josiah who who were were nothing but puppets and, and ended up uh, leading Israel into captivity. You know, you, you refresh your memory that that this is the same story that we've been hearing through the entire Old Testament. Uh, you know, it, it really, what, what is driven home in Matthew chapter 1 is if you're one of, those, uh, one of those people who says, well, we have the New Testament, Jesus has done what he came to do, so we don't really need the Old Testament anymore, we got the New Testament. 
boy, Matthew couldn't be any clearer in telling you that it's dead wrong. <laughs> yeah. If we don't have the lens of the Old Testament, the New Testament's pretty well meaningless. Uh, we, we've got to have that, that recognition of our faithlessness and in the face of it, the faithfulness of God to deliver and to accomplish his promises for us in time Pastor. in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Pastor Jason Shockman from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Strengthen us by God's word from Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Pastor Shockman, thank you for giving us the gifts. You're very welcome, and uh, anytime, brother. I couldn't say it much better, so I'm not gonna. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and may he keep you safe in the palm of his hand.